Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Hewitt and welcome to the Conservative Voice Show, your place for honest, controversial, and the hottest in political conversations. Hey, what's up my patriots? So welcome back to the Conservative Voice Show and today we're going to go over pretty much two really big ticket items and then we'll just cover some like other things that are just going on, right? So the first one, obviously, the big one that everyone's talking about right now is the lawsuit out of Texas suing the four swing states over unconstitutional changes in the voting law, right? The second thing we'll go over is the Biden report, the Hunter Biden report that's come out. And then there's breaking news that the Attorney General Barr had knowledge of it prior to the election, prior to like, what some are saying back in spring, so we'll go over that regarding Hunter Biden. And then I think we'll end it with talking about the uh, Pfizer vaccine and where we're looking at going from there. So let's get into it. And without further ado, let's start in Texas. All right. So as you all know, Texas has filed a lawsuit suing the swing states over what it claims is unconstitutional behavior and then violations of the 14th Amendment, right? So this came on December 8th, and that's when it was docketed. Um, You can go on, if you guys don't know, there's a SupremeCourt.gov website where you can literally look at the docket and the proceedings and the orders and what is going on so you can actually see like it for yourself. And in there, they they also link everything. So like the motions of leave to file a bill of complaint, the um, amicus briefs, the uh, proof of service, all of those are inside this website. So I will link that in the show description for you guys if you guys wanna go look at it. And so you can actually see for yourself and you don't have me telling you, you don't have some mainstream media telling you some garbage about what's going on because we all know that they're going to lie about it anyway. So. Where do we stand with it and what is going on today, right? So as of December 11th, there was, well, I'll go yesterday. So yesterday, the responses from the states being sued came. And pretty much what they're saying is, they're saying that the lawsuit is unprecedented and that Texas does not have the authority or the legal right to intervene into these state, different states' election processes, right? And that somehow it doesn't affect the rest of the world, which I think is very, very funny, right? Because they're, what they're claiming is, is that Texas is trying to intervene in their elections. However, Texas is suing them on a constitutional violation that is applicable to all 50 states and every single American, right? Based on the violation of Article 1, Section 4. Right, and then the Fourteenth Amendment, the Equal Protection Clause, right? because both of those are very, very important. So, in our um, a report today by Tyler Olson and Bill Mears, reporting for Fox News, Texas on Friday morning filed a reply brief, which is the reply to the briefs that all the other states that have responded. It's Texas reply to that, right? As it asked the tribunal to hear its lawsuit that aims to essentially nullify the president's election, presidential election in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, and Wisconsin, 
putting the ball in the justice court to issue an order. The briefing stage of the Supreme Court litigation consists on the first party, in this instance, Texas, asking the court to hear the case. Then opposition briefs are filed by those on the other side of the case. So, right there, the briefing comes, which is where Texas says, hey, these people did bad. And then the, the defendant, or the people that Texas is suing, then comes back and says, no, I didn't do bad, right? Then the first party is allowed a reply brief, which Texas did this morning. So this is the reply brief from Texas to the states who had replied saying that Texas was wrong. Defendant states do not seriously address grave issues that Texas raises, choosing to hide behind other court venues and decisions in which Texas could not participate and to mischaracterize both the relief that Texas seeks and the justification for that relief. The Texas brief says of the opposition briefs filed by Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia Thursday. Texas continues, an injunction should be issued, should issue, because defendant states have not and cannot defend their actions. Right? So that is what they're saying. Is, is that the states that are there suing, two things. One, they want to hide behind their lower courts, because in their briefs they cite the lower court's decisions and the Supreme Court's of the state's decisions on whether or not there was election fraud or the the election law is violated or things like that. However, Texas can't be a part of that. And so they're trying to use the lower court's justification as a reason that the original jurisdiction of the Supreme Court should not be invoked and that they should not take the case based on lower court's decisions. But that's exactly what the Supreme Court is, right? Like, if I disagreed with something and I appealed it to the Supreme Court all the way up there, the Supreme Court can then decide whether they want to take it or not take it. It just so happens that in this instance, when a state sues another state, original jurisdiction kicks in, and the only person that, the only court that can litigate on that and, not litigate, yeah, sorry, litigate on that and decide it is the Supreme Court. Because if you had Texas Supreme Court deciding on it, they're biased. You have Pennsylvania or Georgia or Michigan or Wisconsin's Supreme Court's um, giving their like their dissents and their opinions, well, those are going to be biased, right? Potentially. And so taking it to the Supreme Court is not only the most constitutional thing to do, but in the sake of transparency, the sake of like the truth, that is the place where it should be. And so I think that's like that's the funny part about all of this is you see like huge outcries from the left, like huge outcries from the left saying that what Texas is doing is wrong, unconstitutional, and that there's somehow something that should be done about it because of it. Well, this is the only place and is the only legal recourse that the state has, right? So today we see the reply of state, reply from Texas being in, inside the uh, docket. We see an advocate's brief from New California, New Nevada states, which we're going to assume have joined in opposition of Texas' lawsuit. We see the motion from the U.S. Representative Mike Johnson and the 125 other members for a leave to file the amicus brief. The amicus brief pretty much it means like friend of the court. Pretty much they want to be like, they pretty much are going to say, well, we support this side or we support this side. Right? That's what an amicus brief is. Um, and then we see an intervention motion, certificate of compliance and affidavit 
of service of Ron Hewer at all submitted, right? So that's where we're at now as of this was updated earlier today, I believe. I don't think we've seen another update since we started the podcast. I'll double check for you guys just to make sure. Yeah, so since that um, certificate of compliance, we don't see anything else, but we can assume that the Supreme Court is either going to put a stay on it and say they're not going to hear it, or they're going to give their opinions and dissent sometime over this weekend, right? Because the Electoral College is still set to vote on Monday. And so I think that if they are going to decide on this, the decision needs to come sometime this weekend, and then we can probably look to see that, right? All right, so talking about everything going on in Texas, the New York Times um, has an article about it. And I give New York Times a lot of hard time. I will say this is probably the most least biased and best report I've seen come from the New York Times in a long, long time. And the reason why I say that is because as of right now, it's one of those live ones where they can update it continuously. But as of right now, all it's doing is providing the facts, right? And that's what the news should be. So in a report from the New York Times, Texas replies to four states in its lawsuit to overturn their election results. The justices of the Supreme Court met Friday morning by telephone for their unusual, I'm sorry, for their usual private conference to discuss which cases they might add to their docket. They almost certainly discussed an extraordinary lawsuit that Texas has sought to file directly in the court against four battleground states. Texas replied Friday morning to a set of blistering briefs from the four states that they called its request an affront to democracy and the rule of law. Yes, because violating the Constitution is not an affront to democracy or the rule of law. Please continue. Texas asked the court to hear its case and, in the meantime, to bar the four states from certifying presidential electors and having such electors vote in the Electoral College. The two sides in Texas' case have attracted more than a dozen supporting briefs and requests to intervene from President Trump, from coalitions of red and blue states, from politicians, and from scholars. Among them was a brief filed by at least 120 House Republicans, including Representative Kevin McCarthy of California, the minority leader, who claimed that the election, the same one in which they were all re-elected, had been riddled with an unprecedented number of serious allegations of fraud and irregularity. More than a dozen Republican state attorney generals expressed similar support on Wednesday, but some 20 states led by Democrats in their own supporting brief urged the court to reject Texas' last-minute attempt to throw out the results of an election decided by the people and securely overseen and certified by its sister states. Okay, I wouldn't say that it was securely. I guess you can say that the governors and the secretaries of states securely used their powers, right, to try and, like, change the election law. And that's the problem I have with this, right? Like, we all know, and I've been honest with it from the beginning. Do I want Trump reelected? Yes. But what I want more is I want the Constitution to be held. That is what I want. That is the only thing that I care about. Right, And we see the similar actions that cut against that. Right, I think that's something that we all should want, is the Constitution to be upheld to whatever end it is. That Constitution is what provides us the basis of our elections, what secures our elections for us, what protects our votes, what protects American citizens, what creates the structural and foundation of the American people and of the American government. Right, And that is what we should want upheld to whatever end. If it upholds that Joe Biden is the president, then cool, that is the decision that we should go with. If it says no, Trump should be is the rightful president, then that is the way 
that we should go. But the truth and the fact of following the Constitution should be the utmost importance. Because when we decide that any case, whatever it may be, is able to undermine the Constitution due to factors that are not directly related or outlined in the Constitution, because the Constitution is very, very specific in when changes may be made. And any time that there's a violation of the Constitution should be of the utmost importance to the American people. Because when we begin to allow government bodies to violate our Constitution will be the day that we, in turn, begin to lose our rights as the American people. Right? And we see something from Mark Herring, the uh, AG in Virginia, right? He tweeted, Texas, anti-democratic, un-American lawsuit has no basis or support in the law, the Constitution, or reality. It urges me to wonder if Mark Herring has actually ever read the Constitution. The same thing that he swears to defend. The one document that allows him to do what he does. The one document that secured his his like his power, right? The same thing that allowed him to be appointed. The same thing that he took an oath to defend, right? Has he ever actually read that? Because I don't understand how anybody can say that it's not supported by the Constitution. So for those of you that don't know, right? And I went over it in my... Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, I did a quick video about it, right? The, the problem is, is that... The Constitution is very, very specific, right? Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1 says, The times, place, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislator, legislature thereof. But the Congress, con Congress may at time, any time, by law, make or alter such regulations except as to the place of choosing senators, right? So that is the law. Well, in those states, the election laws were changed but not by state legislature. It never went through the legislature. Governors, secretaries of state, election officials, through proclamation, executive orders, and other things like that made the changes. So to say that it's not supported by the Constitution, it is a direct violation of the Constitution. Mark Herring, read the Constitution. It's not hard. It is absolutely not hard. You swore to defend it, defend it. Stop letting political ideologies and political bases get in the way of that. And that is the issue, right? Is that... And it's been a common like trend we've been seeing, right? Like, all of us that go to college or have been to college in the last few years or have come up in high school, like, we've all seen it. The idea that the Constitution eh, was written like 240 years ago. It doesn't really matter anymore. Should we really like listen to it? Like, and that is the kind of ideology that we're seeing, and that is a dangerous ideology. When we're saying that the government can disregard the Constitution for whatever reason they deem is necessary to help secure or affect an outcome that is constitutionally protected. That is a dangerous, 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 and slippery slope to the American people losing their rights. It's, it absolutely baffles me just how people are so against it, right? If the Supreme Court rules either way, that is a law, right? Whether we agree with it or not, that is the precedent because unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, there is no precedent for this. 
And I would go out on a limb to say, I don't think the states have been this divided, probably since the Civil War, honestly. Like you're looking at states suing other states, you're looking at like opposing dissents between red and blue states. Like, and this is something else that like I've seen. So I work with people, right? And I worked with a guy and he was like, well, maybe we shouldn't let this lawsuit go to te- or go to the Supreme Court. Maybe we should just accept the results of the election without any other contest. And when I asked him why, he was like, well, because uh, if Trump is chosen to be the president lawfully by the Supreme Court, let's say that they nullify those 62 electoral votes, it goes to the Congress for decision on who it is, and then Trump is chosen out of Congress to be the president. He was like, we'll have another civil war. Do I want a civil war? Absolutely no. Not, I don't. I do not think that that would be good for America right now. But what I also know for 100% would not be good for America is the American people submitting their rights and submitting to the freedoms that they were given and the constitutional protections that they were afforded because they're afraid of what the outcome may be. That is absolutely not what America was founded upon. And I would urge every single politician and every single justice and every single judge sitting on every single level of the court whether it be circuit, summary, appellate, Supreme Court, it does not matter, to look to the law and not to your own political ideologies because that is what's going to ensure the transparency and the continuation of our democracy. That is what it will take. All right, guys. So enough on that. On to the next big news, right? So we all know that, uh, I think it was two days ago, the Senate released the report into Hunter Biden. Right, you remember that thing that like that like topic that not a single one of the mainstream uh, media outlets wanted to cover. Well, apparently now we can cover it. So let's talk about it. So in that brief, right, it is eighty-seven pages long. If you go to my Twitter, my Instagram, in my link tree, you will find a link directly to this. I, as always, I tell you guys about it, but I would urge you go read it yourself. It's eighty-seven pages, and it is packed full of evidence. Like, just packed full of it, right? Um, But there are some major topics that I want to discuss. One, it goes, it cuts against the lies of John, um, of John Kelly. And, sorry, not John Kelly. Forgive me. My apologies. It cuts against the lies that Joe Biden and his family, that he knew nothing about and that he never met with any of them and he didn't know what his son was doing. Right, all of that, it it cuts against that proof that he did know what was going on. Um, it goes into why the vice president's office and State Department officials were aware of but ignored concerns relating to Hunter Biden's role on Burisma's board. Um, John Kerry, um, back when he was a Secretary of State, um, he claimed that he had no knowledge about Hunter Biden's role in Burisma. That was found to be a lie. It was found that. Michaela Zolinski, Zolkevsky, sorry, I'm going to butcher that name every single time, right? Um, As a corrupt, odious oligarch, but Vice President Biden was advised not to accuse Zolkevsky of corruption, right? But I think the biggest part of this, and the most important part of this, is it's going to come in um, Section 11, right? Hunter Biden's and his family's financial transactions with Ukrainian, Russian, Kazakhstan, and Chinese nationals raised criminal concerns and extortion threats, right? And 
here's my deal with it. One, I think that it's morally wrong to go around like grabbing large amounts of cash and just pan your bank based on your father's name, right? Which we know that he did. He, um, Hunter Biden has admitted that he would not have gotten on the Burisma board if it was not for his last name. He's admitted that, so we know that, right? But the moral issue with it is not really what I have like qualms with. My qualm with it is that if you talk to anybody that's ever gone through a background check or a like security clearance um, interviews or anything like that, one of the things they look at is your capability of being extorted by enemies of the state, right? And what I'm about to read to you, and this just relates to the Chinese government, would lead me to believe that Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Bo Biden, right? Like, not Bo, because unfortunately he's passed, but Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and the rest of his family, right? Are very, very compromised when it comes to the ability to be extorted, right? So when you go to the very end, the conclusion of section 11, right? The records acquired by the committees show that Hunter Biden and his family were involved in a vast financial network that connected them to foreign nationals and foreign governments across the globe. Hunter Biden and Archer, in particular, formed significant and consistent financial relationships with the corrupt oligarch Mykola Zelewski during their time working for Burisma, and their firms made millions of dollars that the association, while Joe Biden was vice president, in the public face of the Obama's administration's Ukraine policy. All right? Moreover, Archer's apparent receipt of money for a car from Kenegiz Rekishev of Kazakhstan, while Vice President Biden was in Kiev, is especially concerning in the light of the timing. And finally, Biden and Archer's work with the Chinese nationals connected to the communist regime illustrated the deep financial connections that accelerated while his father was vice president and continued after he left office. Biden and Archer found willing partners in Chinese nationals connected to the communist regime. Their work in China began at least in 2009 with the creation of Rosemont Seneca Partners with Heinz Secretary of State John Kerry's stepson. Hunter Biden's connections and financial associations appear to have accelerated significantly after he associated himself with Yi Jiaming, who had deep connections with the communist regime and the People's Liberation Army. However, that didn't seem to have any impact on Hunter Biden, who made millions from the relationship. Indeed, Hunter Biden and his family, to include James and Sarah Biden, associated with other Chinese nationals, such as Zhuang Dong. In one case, the three of them went on a $100,000 global spending spree after Guan Wing Dong and Hunter Biden opened a joint account. In addition, Hunter Biden received millions of dollars over a period of years from Guan Wing Dong's companies, according to records acquired by the committee. Many of these transactions involved potential criminal financial activity. The records acquired by this committee were show consistent, significant, and extensive financial connections among the Hunter Biden, James Biden, Sarah Biden, Devin Archer, and Chinese nationals connected to the communist regime and the People's Liberation Army, as well as other foreign nationals with questionable backgrounds. These connections and vast amount of money transferred among them, among and between them, don't just raise conflicts of interest concerns. They raise criminal financial, counterintelligence, 
and extortion concerns. This committee will continue to evaluate the evidence in their possession. Right? So, like I was saying, my issue with this is the exact last sentence that they say, right? Not only does it raise criminal concerns, but counterintelligence and extortion concerns. That the fact that Joe Biden is now compromised is my issue. He is now 100% compromised. And imagine if the American people knew about this prior to the election. I'm not saying that it would change the results of the election. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But the American people deserve to at least know the truth. They deserve to at least know what is going on and deserve the facts of the case when it comes to a candidate of the United States, right? Or, I'm sorry, candidate for the president of the United States. I say this time and time again, and it just shows the contrast. Imagine if the like headline of that uh, Senate report, right, had any member of the Trump's family on it. Imagine if before the election that a member of Trump's family was accused of being involved in some form of illegal actions with foreign nationals, communist parties. Hell, these, the Congress spent millions of dollars investigating a Russia, Russian collusion hoax that was based on a very untrue and fabricated steel dossier, right? However, not a mention of Hunter Biden and the corruption in Burisma and his family was ever mentioned prior to the election. Like, imagine if the title of that of the uh, report was like Eric Trump, Burisma and Corruption, the impact on U.S. government policy and related concerns. Do you think that would be on the front line? I can guarantee you the moment that that dropped, you would see a banner running in Times Square. You would see every major news outlet from CNN, New York Times, Washington Post to BBC running that news, that headline across their, their um, media outlets. You would see huge, huge media like commentators commenting on it, right? But the fact that it says Hunter Biden or mentions Joe Biden, the media is still soft peddling and, and is incredibly quiet about it. So, the first article that I have found so far regarding this came earlier today at about 3.46 a.m. this morning, and it is from CNN. What does Hunter Biden's investigation actually tell us? Written by Chris Saliza. And pretty much he says that it's not going to have any fact, right? So, here is what he says. The short answer is we simply don't know yet. And the reason is, at least in part, because it's just so hard to differentiate the spin from the facts. Worth noting, Joe Biden is not implicated in any way in the investigation. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. He's not implicated. He may not be directly implicated in the illegal activity, but that he's definitely implicated in the compromise of and of his like national security, right? Like he is a threat to national security. He is definitely implicated in the knowledge that his son was involved in illicit activities and still stood for it. He's still implicated in the fact that he knew that his son was going around grabbing bags of cash while he was the vice president of the United States and countries that have very, very sketchy 
and questionable uh, motives. We can definitely say that he is implicated in knowing that his son and the rest of his family was involved in business transactions with a communist regime. So yes, spare me seeing on how Joe Biden is not implicated in anything. And just please keep propping your puppet up there. Keep propping up Joe Biden as that he's some perfect individual that had no idea and isn't implicated in any amount of subversion and threats to national security. Yeah, sure. But I think the biggest story when it comes revolving around this is coming from the fact that there's a report that Attorney General William Barr knew about Hunter Biden's business and financial dealings for months and worked to stop them from being disclosed to the public during the election. So in a report from Fox News, written by Adam Shaw, the Wall Street Journal reported that Barr was aware of the investigations involving President-elect Joe Biden's son since before the spring and has resisted pressure from the Republicans in Congress for information into the investigation. The Department of Justice did not immediately respond to a request for comment from Fox News. Hunter Biden said in a statement, Wednesday, the U.S. Attorney General's Office in Delaware is investigating his tax affairs. A well-placed government source told Fox News that Hunter Biden is the subject-slash-target of the grand jury investigation. And the source also told Fox News that this investigation was predicated in part by the suspicious activity report regarding suspicious foreign transactions. So a well-placed government source told Fox News that Hunter Biden is a subject-target of the grand jury investigation. According to a source, a target means there is a high probability that a person committed a crime. While a subject is someone you don't know for sure has committed a crime. The source also told Fox News that this investigation was predicated in part by suspicious activity reports regarding suspicious foreign transactions. Another source familiar with the investigation tells Fox News that the SARS were regarding funds from China and other foreign nations. The journal reports that federal prosecutors in Manhattan have been looking into the dealings as part of a broader financial investigation that has been going on for at least a year. But President Trump has been constantly urging Barr to get involved and on Thursday criticized the DOJ as well as the FBI and the media's handling of the case. President Trump tweeted, Why didn't the fake news media, the FBI, and the DOJ report the Biden matter before the election? Oh well, it's okay. We won the election anyway. So this is huge, right? Like, and I think this just goes to show the like politicization of our legal system sometimes. Like I said at the beginning, these, the American people deserve to know like what is going on. And they especially deserve to know if a potential presidential candidate is compromised by foreign entities. If he is compromised and susceptible to extortion and subversion, right, and blackmail. Because, like I said, being that, that is one of the biggest things when you go for like a security clearance that they look at. Can you be blackmailed into selling national security issues, right? And the fact that this was not made public, and now that there's a report the Attorney General knew about it and still didn't provide it to be public. So the fact is, is that not a single person, the AG didn't report it, the media didn't report on it. The Biden administration, Biden family, just dismissed it and didn't comment on it. That is huge when it comes to the American people, and I think that that is something that needs to be addressed, and I think the American people, we, need, we deserve to know that. We deserve to know the truth to whatever end it is, right? The politicization of our criminal justice system and our legal system is just ridiculous right now. It is absolutely insane. The amount of influence that the federal government and acting members of Congress 
and other members in government are having on the legal system and the criminal justice system is ridiculous. And if Attorney General William Barr did know about this and did not report on it, did not investigate it, chose to not release it, we deserve a response at least right now from him saying why he did not release that information to the public prior to the election. All right, guys, so the final thing we'll go over, and it'll just be real quick because there's not much news about it, honestly. So today, right, the FDA advisory committee voted in favor of granting Pfizer and BioNTech coronavirus vaccine emergency use authorization, and then it'll now go to the FDA officials for final review. But that's not the big news, right? So the big news that everyone's having an issue with is that the White House orders FDA chief to authorize Pfizer biotech vaccines Friday or submit his resignation. All right, so in a report from Washington Post, written by Josh Dossie and Lori McGinley, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows on Friday told Stephen Hahn, the Commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration, to submit his resignation if the agency does not clear the nation's first coronavirus vaccine by day's end, according to people familiar with the situation who spoke on the condition of anonymity, anonymity because they were not authorized to discuss what happened. The threat came on the same day the president tweeted the FDA is, in quote, a big old slow turtle. <laughs> you know, regardless of what you may think of Trump, you got it. That man got some humor. Like, like his tweets, some of his tweets, whether right, wrong, or they're just funny. So it is a big old slow turtle in handling the vaccines while extorting Commissioner Stephen Hahn to, in quote, get the damn vaccines out now. He added, stop playing games and start saving lives. All right. Um, I think if Mark Meadows did indeed threaten Stephen Hahn, that's an issue because we're looking at if it's rushed and not evaluated and analyzed properly, then something could be missed, and which would put the American people already at greater risk than they already are at, especially seeing that the people in the plan to get the vaccine first are that vulnerable population. So I don't think we need to be giving a bad vaccine to them. However, on the flip side of that exact same coin, Stephen Hahn does have a responsibility to expeditiously, as fast as safely possible, to get that vaccine to the American people. And I think that any delays or halts or slows, especially when it's come, because especially when it comes to like policy and politics, because we all know the vaccine and COVID-19 have become such like, are being wielded as political weapons, right? And so I think that if it's being slowed or delayed for political views, then absolutely, Stephen Hahn, submit your resignation. But I also think that Mark Meadows, in saying that, is maybe putting the wrong view, maybe urging him to hurry up, right? Like just telling him to just, hey man, like do this as fast as you can, that would be good. But telling him that he needs to resign if it's not voted on today, I think that that puts a very, 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 very bad like standard and representation of, of the office. But with that being said, this is an, um, a White House official declined to comment saying we don't comment on private conversations, but the chief regularly requests updates on progress towards vaccine. This is an untrue representation of the phone call with the chief of staff, Han said in a statement. The FDA was encouraged to continue working expeditiously on F Pfizer and BioNTech's EUA request. The FDA is committed 
to issuing this authorization quickly, as we know in our statement this morning. So now we have someone that's saying, hey, they're threatening their resignation. And then you literally have Stephen Hahn himself coming out and saying, no, that's not true. That's not what we said. He's not pressuring us. And so I think that just goes to show the amount of like politicized politicalization. Yeah, sorry. I cannot speak today, guys. I'm so sorry. Like how much how politicized COVID-19 and the vaccines have become. And that is what is gravely, gravely wrong right now is that COVID-19 is no longer an American issue. It's no longer a world issue. It's now becoming a beating club for American politicians, especially those on the left, to continually beat down the American people and to continually beat them into submission in a way to strip their rights from them and it grabs at power that undermine the American constitution and undermine the American values. That is what we're seeing with COVID-19 and the vaccine. And this just continues to go to show how much like political influence there is on the healthcare system and in protecting the American like people when it comes to this vaccine. It's absolutely absurd. All right, guys. So we will see how all of that goes, right? So we got, we got Texas lawsuit out there. We got Attorney General William Barr potentially not actually reporting and telling the truth. We have the Senate report coming out exposing Hunter Biden and the Biden family and everything like that. Which, let me, let me like rewind real quick back to that, right? Why the hell are we not seeing a call for the impeachment of Joe Biden over this like they did with, Pre- with President Trump? I remember the moment that he revealed that he was running for office, they were already trying to find ways to impeach him. We now have substantiated documents showing widespread like relationships with communist regimes, right? That directly threaten Joe Biden's ability to discharge the duties of the office, which he may be elected to without the threat of extortion or subversion, right? But we are not seeing any of that, right? Like, where is the calls that he's not capable to discharge his duties successfully? Where are the calls that he is like in in some form of collusion with those people that his families are receiving millions and millions of dollars for, right? The, 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 the double edge and the hypocrisy on the way that we handle politics, the way the media handles politics, absolutely drives me crazy. And it is absolutely ridiculous. All right, so we have that going on, Texas lawsuit going on. It looks like hopefully the FDA will approve Pfizer's vaccine to go out to the American people. Probably by the end of today, I'm going to assume. And so we'll see that come out. And it'll be very, very interesting to like, to say the least, right? About what is going to happen when it comes to Texas. Because the precedent is not there. We don't have a precedent to go on. So everyone, make sure you pay attention to that. If you don't already, follow me on my Instagram. I, will, I put all the updates there. Like I said, if you want to read about the... Um, the Senate report, go find it. I'll link the uh, link to it in the show description. If you want to see the uh, Supreme Court's docket and the updates that are going to that, I will also link that below in the show description. And guys, as always, thank you for watching. I hope you guys have a banging weekend. Go shoot guns. Go be American. Go like express and your American values. Live the best life. 
Be safe, guys, and I'll see you back here Monday for more. And thank you for watching The Conservative Voice Show.